Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Crosses and Graces. Thanks again for everyone who's tuning in. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button. Check out, like I said, Restoring the Faith. The rest of the video is there. Lots of good stuff. And make sure to check out the Ecumen channel and look at the catechism and the work we got going on there. Thank you again for listening. Now, if you're following up from the last episode that we put out there, talking about Christ, how to suffer well, how we can emulate him to be men in the image of Christ, the thing I left out, and it's a good topic, I think this time, sacraments. So what we're going to focus on now are the sacraments that enable us to get the grace necessary to be like Christ. And that means not just having some weird nebulous way of grace just falls upon me. No, we have prayer, we have sacraments. That's that's what happens. So there's sacramentals. We'll cover those in another episode. Um, we're going to go today, though. Let's look at the sacraments and, and take it from there. So first off, what is a sacrament? Well, Sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Now, that definition comes from the Baltimore Catechism. I can include a link to that in the video description. But what we're looking at there is something that Christ did himself and said, Hey, if you guys want what I have, the grace that I am projecting out throughout the world to anyone who is willing to receive it, he's giving us the sacraments as the way to acquire that grace from him. Awesome. Now, the thing is, though, there are going to be people out there. I know that maybe not everyone watching is Catholic. Maybe you're just learning. And there are going to be people who tell me, well, but he didn't do that in scriptures. Au contraire. So when we start looking at the Bible itself and we take baptism, for instance, we see baptism pop up in multiple places. We see it pop up in the Gospels in terms of people getting baptized there. We definitely see it in the book of Acts uh, in terms of looking at what happens at Pentecost and what Paul talks about in terms of baptizing entire families. We have to acknowledge that a Catholic book, the Bible, is probably going to reinforce what the church taught and is supposed to teach because the church is the bride of Christ and ultimately there because Jesus put it there to do just that. The only way we can suffer well and lead our families in suffering and lead our businesses in suffering and lead our parishes when we're having our parish communities in places where the priest is not always available, the only way we can do that is we're going to have to go and have the church there with us. And the only way we can get that grace from the church is we need sacraments. So I put up here on the screen the seven sacraments. All right. There are seven. Um, this is talked about in the book of Proverbs. The pillars of the church are actually brought up in there. I'll make sure that we can look at that reference as well. Um, the point being that there were specific mechanisms that Christ instantiated so that we would be able to get the grace from him and be able to be saved. Now, when we look at John 3, 5, we see the fact that we need to be born again of the water and the spirit. And that now covers the first two 
of the sacraments. So baptism, we have no hope of salvation in heaven unless we are baptized, period, done. That is something Christ said. We all should probably listen to him as opposed to sitting there and saying that we know better than him. We can't all be Martin Luther. When it comes to confirmation, we cannot have faith in the scriptures that we read, the homilies that we hear, the eyes that we have to see what's going on around us, unless we have the Holy Ghost. And hate to break it to you, but the Holy Ghost is not a feeling. The Holy Ghost only comes to us when a successor of the apostles lays hands upon us and anoints us. And only then will the Holy Ghost come into us. That's what happened at Pentecost. That's what the book of Acts says. That's why Peter and John are running around everywhere, laying hands on those men who they are bringing into the church. So let's not forget that. There are very specific things that our Lord has done in his life and said, unless you do everything, you're not in. And again, as I said before, perfection being a tall order and learning how to suffer well and having all the graces, not only to suffer well, but then to take every single ounce of energy we have and every blessing we've ever been given and turn it back into something good for God. Let him work through us. The only way we can do that, you just have to go along with all of his commandments. You have to do what he said. If we can make that happen, then our baptism means something. Then our confirmation means something. With those two sacraments, we can actually be members of the mystical body of Christ. That is the body that Paul talked about in his letter to the Colossians, where he talks about Christ being the head of that body. And the only way we get in to be a member of that body is we have to be reborn by water and in the spirit. Now, what else comes along? There's five more sacraments to go here. We also have communion, the Eucharist. This one is the breaking point. This is what separates Christians from non-Christians. And even though we can sit there and say, well, there are groups out there that claim to believe in Christ. That is true. The issue becomes that those people who claim to believe in Christ, but do not believe that his body, blood, soul, and divinity are contained within the bread and within the wine that is consecrated within the mass in the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions, if they don't understand that that's really the body, blood, soul, and divinity and never changes back, it is now the everything of Christ, even in the tiniest fragments, if they don't understand that, then the rest of this entire religion falls apart. And now anything goes. So now we don't need the sacraments anymore if that's not real. It starts to just come apart. What I ask all of you to do, follow Augustine's guidance. Our goal is not to attempt to understand why these mysteries work to transfer grace to us and then believe it. Your goal is to ask God for help believing it knowing that these are mysterious and divine and we're never actually going to figure this out okay we just trust we know that god has a way we know that it's bigger than we are and these brains will never be enough to comprehend what he has done for us as long as we can do that the rest of this stuff all comes together and we do what god has commanded us to do and this is how we join ourselves to him his sacrifice on the cross and offer god in that sacrament as part of the mass we offer the Son of God to his Father. It's so cool. So we take all that, 
what else do we have to do to make sure we can do all that? Well, the only way we can take communion, we have to be willing to confess our sins publicly. Multiple places in the scriptures, it says you have to confess publicly. And the way that it has now boiled itself down through many years of refinement and going from the days prior to St. Patrick, where you had to go and tell everybody, this is what I did. Now we just have to tell the priest that counts as our public confession. And he then ultimately is the effectively the mediator between us and Christ, and he acts in persona Christi to forgive us, which is what Paul tells us uh, in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. So we have those sacraments, and the ones that are regular are the Eucharist and communion. We keep doing those, whereas baptism and confirmation create a permanent mark on the soul that can never be undone no matter what. There's no need for rebaptism. We're not donatists. Um, so let's, again, have faith in God. They did what they were supposed to do. Last three sacraments, matrimony, this is marriage, it's permanent, it's forever. After we do it, no man can separate what God has assembled. If we try to remarry someone while the spouse still lives, that is adultery. I didn't say it, Jesus did. That's part of Matthew 5.32. Again, it's not me saying it, he's saying it's adultery, that's a mortal sin. And we can't be in a state of grace until we've resolved that problem. So... We have to look at being married to our spouses in the same way he's married to the church. He went to the cross for the church and didn't leave her, even though they were turning on him and they basically left him alone to suffer that fate. But he didn't duck out. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to go find someone better. I'm going to go make some better people. What he did do is he said, despite all that, I'm going to work with you. He didn't go make a better church or better people. He said, despite all of that and all of the sins that were committed that resulted in him going up on that cross for us, he said, I'm going to be here because I trust that you, if you want me bad enough, you'll atone for all the sins. You'll come back. You'll use this grace. You'll make it right. And we'll get into a situation where I can be in you and you give up all of you that is not of me and be perfect with me forever. So I don't know how many of you have stopped to contemplate the fact that he gave us that. And he continues to give us that every single day that we are with him in a state of grace, but it's a big deal. And so since he gave us that with full trust in us, that we would be there to the end, we have an obligation to have full trust in our spouses, that they will be there with us to the end. And then there will be failures, there will be issues, there will be times when we can't stand them, and worse, sometimes where we can't even live with them. Understand, but that bond of matrimony is unbreakable in the same way that the bond of confirmation is unbreakable and the bond of baptism is unbreakable. And then to keep going, that bond of holy orders is equally unbreakable. So at once a priest, always a priest, as long as it was done validly, and we go from there. Only priests can act in persona Christe for the purposes of the mass, purposes of communion, the purposes of penance, those types of things. Priests have a role. This is why Paul says, obey your prelates. And this is why there are multiple lines in there that Peter and John and Paul address that talk about what the role is of that priest and why that priest is a big deal to you and me. Without the priests, we don't have a mass. We don't have a sacrifice to the Father. Without the priests, we don't have a parish. We don't have that spiritual father that we need in our lives to help keep us on the straight and narrow. Now, last but not least of our sacraments here, extreme unction, the final anointing. 
So this is the oil that is put on at the very end of our lives to help us as we cross from life into death. And it's a big one. Death is the most trying time for a man or woman, any one of us, as we go to our end, where we start to doubt and wonder, how am I doing? Where did I go wrong? Am I in good standing with God? We don't know. That's why now, before we can get to that point, do prayers, do your masses, ask for the graces that you do not have. Men, lead your families, act like men now, act like Christ all the way. So by the time you get to that point where you need extreme unction and you need that final anointing, you can be confident in God that he's taking care of you. And then you can know that my life was lived for the glory of God. And as I go back through all the things that I have done and all the time that I have spent and all of my waking hours, that I know that my mistakes that were made have been confessed. I have not only confessed them to the priest, but I have atoned for them. I evaluated honestly the things that I was good at, the things I was bad at, the things I was right, the things I did wrong, and knew that where I needed to change, I made efforts to change. When I had opportunities to ask for assistance, I asked for assistance. And where I had to lead, I led. You got to ask yourself now, where do you think you sit on that scale? How close are you? If you died this very instant, where are you going to end up? And ultimately, would the sacraments help you to fix some of those situations so you can die in a better place? So after you move beyond yourself and your own evaluations, inside your head and rack it all together, figure out then what about your wife? What about your friends, your kids, your parents, your siblings? Are you doing everything possible to ensure that they know what needs to be done so they can get to heaven? Because if not, you have that job on your plate as well. Now, will they listen to you? Not necessarily. That's why you got to do prayers. That's why you have to offer sacrifice and penance. That's why you have to take the sacraments. So the strength and discernment is within you to do the work God has set aside for you to make sure it all happens for his glory. So it's a lot to take in today. But again, we now know what a sacrament is. We now know what we have to do to be in the good graces of God and make things better for the people around us. So we'll go with that. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you again in the next episode. Um, in the meantime, again, make sure, like this episode, if you thought this content was helpful for you, make sure you throw comments in the sections below. And then, again, I look forward to uh, helping you guys out however I can. So I will comment back if you want to throw them my way. We'll go from there. So in the meantime, may God bless us all. Take care.